The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we work week in and week out, year-round, to bring you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're going to talk about the most important piece of real estate in the world, the most valuable, the most the most, like, if you invest in it, your success is almost guaranteed. And also, it's invisible. And you're probably going to want to keep it that way. More <laughs> the look on Mike's face. It'll all become clear in a minute. I just have to uh, get through some, uh, you know, announcement stuff first. Uh, the first announcement is uh, the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati has its online monthly meeting tomorrow night. And this is one that you folks who are in the no money down deal business or would like to be need to get a link for. It is no money down night uh, for the first hour at six o'clock. Andy Teasley will be talking about using seller held notes to buy properties lower no money down. And then in the second session, starting at about 7.15, we've got Ms. Wendy Patton, who literally wrote the book on how to buy property subject to. Go ahead, check it out on Amazon. She literally wrote a book about how to buy property subject to. And she's doing us the huge favor of coming out of her 10-year-long retirement from speaking to share uh, her her thoughts about the right ways to do that and which sellers are most likely to want to do it and what's going on with it in today's market. So uh, you, it's online, so you can attend from wherever you might be listening from. You just need to get a link by going to CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com and uh, clicking the calendar link and registering. Also, uh, one of our show sponsors here, CMHA, the Cincinnati Metropolitan Housing Authority, is sponsoring a uh, free workshop this Saturday morning. It is called How to Earn Money and Build Wealth in the Current Crazy Market. Uh, it is at their location in Queensgate, 1635 Western Avenue, and you do need a ticket despite the fact that... It is, there's no actual charge for the class. Uh, I am instructing that, by the way, and it is uh, 9 to noon, and we're going to just talk about, you know, rental housing stuff and how it's working 
in the market right now. So to get your ticket to that, you go to their website, with which is cintimha.com. That's C-I-N-T-I-M-H-A.com. Uh, just go to the calendar. You'll see it there. Click it. Get a ticket. Maybe I'll see you on Saturday morning. Now, about that real estate, about that important, crucial, invisible real estate that if you have it, you are probably going to be successful in this business. And if you don't have it, you're going to have a lot of struggles. It is, of course, the real estate between your two ears. Ah, Mike gets it. Yep, most most important investment in real estate you can make because uh, really and truly, and I've believed this and said it for many, many years, the, the key difference between folks who uh, get what they want out of their real estate business or probably any business and the folks who get nothing or struggle and struggle and struggle to get what they want is right there between your ears. And to help enlighten us on some of the mindsets that you might not even know you have that are maybe standing in your way and that you need to, uh, you need to left swipe and replace with something else. I have joining me Tiffany Toombs, who you may have heard of because she is an international speaker and she is known for, uh, coaching and teaching and speaking about how you can rewire your unconscious mind for success and actually reach that potential that most of us see in ourselves, but it always seems right out of reach. She has worked with all sorts of people from athletes to business owners to gurus, but she also has quite a bit of experience working with real estate entrepreneurs. She's joining us today by phone. Tiffany, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thanks, Tina. I'm excited to be here. Uh, and I'm excited to have you. We only we only do one of these, um, I don't know how to categorize it, mind sh- mindset maybe, shows every couple of years. And we should really do them more because um, I, I think in, in all of your coaching and consulting and speaking that you've done over the years, you could probably explain why it is that I can take a hundred real estate investors, I can give them all the same education, the same resources, put them in the same market at the same time, and five of them will kill it, and 20 of them will do something, but they'll always be saying, you know, I, that's this, you know, I wanted more, I, this, isn't, this isn't my goal, I want bigger things, and the other 75 people will literally do nothing. So in your professional opinion... What's the difference between the 75% and the 5%? When it comes to real estate investing, like there's so many aspects of the mindset that it touches in on, right? It touches in on our personal capacity to, to take action. Money beliefs come into that. And a lot of people get stuck kind of in the social class or the socioeconomic class that they grew up in. And so, you know, there's a whole, I mean, we could talk for that entire hour (laughs) and then some about limiting beliefs around money that stop people. So that definitely plays into it. There's the having to do something unknown. There's having to uh, potentially take a risk 
especially if they're using their own money. Um, and then, you know, just creating a lifestyle. We're also in a society that kind of teaches us you go to work, you have the nine to five, that, and you take that money home, you put it into a bank, you save it, and then you have the nice retirement, and that's when you get freedom. But we're starting to see societal shifts where people are like, I don't want to wait until I'm 65 or 70 to get that freedom. And, you know, now I have a bad hip or I need a knee replaced and, you know, I can't walk the same as I used to or my health isn't what it once was or my energy levels aren't the same. I want the freedom now. And so we're starting to see a little bit of a shift. And there's some people who are okay stepping outside of their comfort zone and saying, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And this freedom for me or for my family or for whoever, it means pounding in my chest, uh, that shortness of breath that comes up when I put in the offer or when I close the deal or whatever it is. And there's some people who just aren't willing to do that. Um, I was speaking on stage once and somebody came up to me just before I went up and they said, do you get nervous before you go on stage? And I said, well, what does nervous feel like? And they said, you know, like the butterflies in the stomach, your heart is racing, your palms are a little bit sweaty. And I said, oh, yeah, I get excited. <laughs> and they said, no, 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 those, those things are nerves. That means you're nervous. And I said, well, nothing has meaning except the meaning that we give it. And so if I felt those butterflies and the heart racing and everything and I, and I chose to give a meaning that that's nervous, when I walk up these stairs to go on stage, I'm going to trip and fall on my face because I, for somebody who was very athletic growing up, I'm very clumsy. And I'm going to stumble over my words, and I'm not going to give a very good presentation. But if I decide to give that the meaning that I'm excited and I have energy, and when I get on stage to speak, my knees like will literally shake sometimes. I can feel my kneecap shaking. And that just tells me I've decided to give it the meaning that, that just means I have more energy to give to the audience. Mm-hmm. And so when we give things, when we step outside of our comfort zone, we actually go into the panic zone first. And this is probably the, the first thing that stops those 75% or 95%, whatever it was, from taking action, is we go into the panic zone. And that actually moves our nervous system into a state of fight or flight. It feels like there's a bear charging at us. And so people either want to run away or they want to get defensive and fight back. And most people, because it feels so uncomfortable, and because from a societal level we've kind of learned, like, the heart racing, the butterflies, the sweaty palms, that that equals anxiety. And anxiety is bad, then people want to stop doing the thing that caused that feeling. But when we have the tools, to the mindset tools, to relax our nervous system, to take control of our nervous system instead of allowing it to hijack us and to say, okay, I can feel these butterflies and I'm going to choose to give this the meaning of excitement or I'm changing my life or, you know what, this is something new and I don't totally know what to expect and I'm going to, you know, lean into faith or whatever it is, you know, that you believe in. If I'm going to, if I do those things, then I'll make it through. And every time you can take control of your nervous system, that those feelings of anxiety or however you want to label them become a little bit less uncomfortable. And now we need to do something even bigger to get that feeling of discomfort. So for somebody like you, I'm sure, you know, doing 
a regular, quote unquote, regular real estate deal, you're just kind of like, okay, cool. But if you were to do like a multi-million dollar real estate deal or a multi-billion dollar real estate deal, that might get your heart pumping a little bit. So every time we step outside of our comfort zone and we have the courage to just stay there and breathe through it, then that comfort zone grows a little bit more and it takes more for us to get uncomfortable. And that's what the 5% have figured out that the 95% haven't. They've also probably done some work on the limiting beliefs around money and everything else, but they've figured out how to weather the storm or to be okay being uncomfortable in that moment, knowing that it's going to pay pay off tenfold in the future. Mm -hmm. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about some practicalities around how do you figure out how to do that? How do you even see what your mindsets and limiting beliefs are because many times they started when you were a small small child and they just seem like they don't seem like limiting beliefs they just seem like reality and we're also going to take listener questions you can uh, call them in at 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658, or you can send them via email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Tiffany Toombs, who is a, uh, she's a, she's a rewire your mind person. She, she, she believes and has seen evidence of uh, the idea that we are not stuck with the ideas that our parents and families uh, sort of foisted on us, maybe even unknowingly when we were children, uh, or that our, our, you know, individual cultures or the big culture has put in our heads and that those things can in fact uh, and should, in fact, in many cases, be changed because what you believe is not actually reality. Reality is reality. You're just seeing it through a particular lens that might be keeping you from being as successful as you could be in real estate investing and in life. And uh, again, we're taking listener questions at 877-772-9658 or via email at askvina at gmail.com. Um, so, Tiffany, it, it, it feels like if it was so easy to get rid of a limiting belief I might have, like, um, I'm just not good enough, you know, I'm not smart enough to do this, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a $100,000 a year earner, not a million dollar a year earner, uh, that everybody would just, you know, be like, okay, I'm changing my mind. I, I, I don't I don't think you would I don't think you would have a business if that were true. <laughs> What's the what, yeah. <laughs> what is the, what is the reality of of making those changes to things that we ha that have just been part of us our whole lives? Yeah, so I think it's important for most people to realize firstly that by the age really by the time you become an adult 95% of the belief systems that you have as that adult were, those seeds were planted. If you think of the mind like a garden, those seeds were planted or those weeds, let's call them, especially the limiting beliefs, were planted between the ages of zero and seven. So before you even really understood what the world was about, you had these beliefs planted in you. And newer research and studies are actually showing that 
whatever the mom feels and believes, because the way that the body works is every time we have a thought, which our beliefs are thoughts, every time we have a thought that releases a chemical called a hormone into our bloodstream, and that hormone causes us to have the feeling. So if I'm thinking I'm not good enough, that's going to cause my body to release stress hormones, and that's going to um, cause me to feel stressed out, anxious, you know, depressed, not good enough, whatever it is. And that's going to lead to more thoughts of the same quality. Now, the average person has 60,000 thoughts a day, and 80% of those are negative. We are actually, from a, like an evolutionary standpoint, programmed to see the negative because it's what helped the cavemen survive. Mm-hmm. If the caveman walked out of his cave, he heard the rustling in the bushes, he assumed it was a saber-toothed tiger, ran back in, or got ready to fight. The caveman that was like, oh, it's probably just a squirrel. Eventually, Darwinism (laughs) would take over and his bloodline couldn't continue. So um, what newer studies are actually showing us is that some of our belief systems and our pre-programmed feelings, our default mode feelings, actually start when we're in the womb. And that if a mother, you know, if uh, a child, for example, was a quote-unquote accident, uh, or was unplanned, and the mom's kind of panicking about that pregnancy, the baby can get hit with hormones that flood them with feelings of rejection. If the mom is highly stressed out during her pregnancy, then that causes the baby to basically come into this world, like pre-programmed to feel like highly anxious, overly stressed out, um, and, and those kinds of feelings. So we actually know that it starts in the womb, and there's a whole other uh, line of science called the epigenetics, which is actually showing that we can pass down belief systems through our genes. Now, this can make it feel like, well, if it's in my DNA, there's no way I can change it. But the cool thing is, is these new studies are showing that by doing certain things in reprogramming the brain, which we'll talk about, we can actually change how our DNA expresses itself in the body so we can completely and dramatically change our lives. And I've seen it time and time again. I've worked with people who have uh, overcome cancer and liver disease and fibromyalgia, reverse type 2 diabetes, and their doctors are like, I have no idea how this happened. And it's simply because, like, I, I wish I had a magic wand and could just heal everybody, but it's really just they took the things that I'm going to share today And they applied it, and by changing their mindset, they were able to change how their DNA expressed itself, and they got rid of these, you know, diseases or conditions that are considered to be genetic, and so many people are like, well, this is just what I have, and this is just the way I am. So it can feel sometimes like, oh, you know, I have, there's no hope, like this is just the way things are. Like I am just a $100,000 a year earner, not a million dollar a year earner. But we can reprogram that, and it will take some effort. And this is where um, it does take effort, and it does require you to stop listening to all the nonsense that's out in the world because there will be people who will tell you, like, oh, who do you think you are, right? The Mm -hmm. crazy thing is that when we step outside of our comfort zone to make change, we pull the people closest to us out of their comfort zone as well. I'm sure, Vina, you've heard the saying, I think it might have come from Jim Rohn that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And so if you find that you're, when you make change, whether it's going to the gym or going to a real estate investing conference and starting to learn these things, 
it might be your friends and family who are the last to support you. And it's just because they have become comfortable with the old version of you because when you start to what I call shine your light, you start to step into your power and change your life, you start to highlight all the places in their life that they could change but haven't wanted to. And so they go into fight or flight as well. We have to be willing to stop listening to those people. We don't have to cut them out of our life, but we just have to stop giving their opinion so much weight. And even in the personal development industry, there's a lot of crap. Um, you know, there's um, how many times, Vina, have you or have you heard somebody talk about how they just need more willpower or self-discipline? Yeah. How many times have you heard that? Uh, heck, I, I, I've heard that out of my own head <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> so, yeah, studies have actually shown that we have a limited amount of willpower every single day. So if you think of willpower like your water bottle, every morning you wake up, that water bottle's full. And every time you make a decision, whether that decision is, do I hit this news button or do I get out of bed? What should I wear today? What should I eat? All of those decisions pours a little bit of water out of that water bottle. And once that water bottle is empty, we have no more willpower for the day. And so the conscious mind, which is a part of the mind that we think is in control, it's the thoughts that we're aware of, it's our logic and our reason, that is only 4% of our mind's capacity. And when we're using willpower and self-discipline, that's the part of the mind that we're using. When we run out of willpower, we divert back to the unconscious mind or the subconscious mind, which is 96% of the mind's capacity, and that's where all those limiting beliefs are stored. So if you decide, you know what, I'm going to go to work all day, I'm going to make decisions after I hit the snooze button 10 times in the morning, make decisions all day, and then I'm going to come home and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to apply what Vina talks about and I'm going to you know, put in these offers, or I'm going to research some deals, or I'm going to do these other things to change my financial situation. And then you get home, and you're tired, and you sit down, and now it's, you know, choosing between a glass of red wine and whatever your favorite Netflix show is, or going and doing this work, nine times out of ten people are going to say, I'll just do it tomorrow, I'm really tired today. And all the reasons why you should stay the same come up. And so one of the first things that people can do while they're doing the inner work that we'll talk about, while you're needing to use willpower and discipline, is to do to get up a little bit earlier in the morning or to do these things on your day off when you don't have a whole lot of decisions to make, when you can do them before you use up all your willpower. Otherwise, you're putting yourself in a far worse position to start. It's like you're starting 100 yards behind everybody else in a race. And and Tiffany, just let me just let me uh, do a, a Shakespearean aside to listeners and say, true, 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 and true. Uh, I grew up listening to all the kind of you know 1950s, 60s uh, success folks because that's what my dad had. You know, in his in his mm-hmm. tape player, and there was a there was an idea back then that you made your willpower stronger by working it more. And more recently, and I'm talking, this has been in the last ten years. Uh, actual scientists, actual people with PhDs and labs, and and uh, who could do l- longitudinal studies and whatnot, have said. 
Uh, yeah, it turns out that's not true. The willpower is not a muscle that you make stronger by working it out. It is, in fact, a resource that as the day goes on, and particularly if you're not uh, uh, eating right, has something to do with that. Like it lasts a little longer <laughs> if you... If mm-hmm. you if you don't fill your your stomach full of stuff that's gonna uh, drain it even more, and um, yeah, I've done a, an enormous amount of reading and research on that topic. And if 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 what you're hearing Tiffany say is like, no, that's not what that's not what Dale Carnegie said or Zig Ziglar said, uh, you, just, you need to you need to go out and and check out the source material because there's a whole new. Uh, just just thought process amongst people who are actual like uh, you know neuroscience neuroscientists uh, that say that this is all correct. And I want to go back to something that you said that I was really tickled to hear you say, which is this idea that when one of the things that that will drag you backward from your steps forward is the folks around you and particularly your family. Uh, because mm-hmm. I, I, I'll tell you that the, uh, one of the things, one of the things that I always tell people when I'm telling them they need to join a RIA group is look, you need to be around people who have already done what you want to do, who believe that you can do it and who are willing to support you in doing that. Because you have probably already experienced that as soon as you say to the the people who you're closest to, I'm going to make this big move in my life, you get this thing that that I call a change back message. It's it's mm-hmm. um you know it's not it's not this direct, but it's uh, we want you to be the way you are, not the way you're outlining, which would actually be much better for you and a, in every room. <laughs> Where I say, you're probably already getting the message from your family and close friends that either you can't do it, or it can't be done, or this isn't the right time, or you're somehow going to be neglecting them by having this other thing that you're doing. And there's just nods, nods, nods all over the room. Mm-hmm. I, I meet very few people who do not face that particular challenge. So you said that the answer is not cut them out of your life, but rather don't listen to them. Okay, some of these people are people who raised you. And some of these people are people yeah. who you are married to. <laughs> and some of these yeah. people are people so, that you are raising. So, like, how, how, do you, how do you, like, steal yourself to, quote, not listen to them? Because obviously they have a lot of influence over you. Yeah, and so there, will, there might be the case where for a period of time you have to distance yourself from somebody or there might just be somebody, some people who are so negative that you do have to be willing to let them go. Um, and that's re- a really personal decision that only you can make. Um, I would say, you know, the, the spouse one is probably the most challenging one, especially if you've got joint bank accounts and things like that, then obviously – you have to get them on board. And generally what I recommend for people to do is to create a shared vision of the future together and create the plan of how that's going to work. Now, uh, knowledge is power for people. And so if you've got a spouse who they haven't gone to the conferences so they don't understand the process, it's about having a conversation to say, hey, this is why I'm doing this, right? I am, you, you know, we have 
two kids or we have three kids and we want to be able to take vacations without being stressed out and pinching pennies. We want to be able to go anywhere. I want to be able to take you out on these luxurious date nights and things like that. When it comes to just money and people see that you're just attempting to make more money, all of their money beliefs come up. And as human beings, we're very visual creatures. And so if I was to just say, like, you know, Vina, you're going to go out and make a million dollars this year. If you had money beliefs, those money beliefs would trigger your limiting beliefs, any old traumas, any old wounds that you were holding on to. But if I can create a picture of what that money will do for you instead, right? So if I say, okay, you were going to take the kids to Mexico once a year and we're going to go to Disneyland once a year and you're going to be able to do, you know, get monthly massages to make sure that you're taken care of and we're going to bring in somebody to clean the house so that we don't have to clean it and we can spend more time as a family doing things together. When people understand, especially spouses, understand the end game to the money, they can then focus on that goal. And the thing about the unconscious mind is that it it does focus on more, and it's always about creating more. So it's also important when you're setting your goals for what the real estate investing is going to do for you that you're not just focused on money because then you'll never have enough. You'll always be looking for more. But if you have a goal, um, I have an eight-week-old baby, and so my husband and I, we both run businesses, and we have a very specific goal in mind that allows us, you know, when we hit it in our business, it allows us to have more time with the family. And so we're focused on time and going on family adventures together and traveling, and that's the more that we're focused on as opposed to money because if we're focusing on money, then there will never be enough. Mm-hmm. So give them, especially with the spouses, give them that picture to hold on to and get get them as involved in the process as you can. And and initially it might just be that they're like, you know what, I'm not really willing to give up a whole weekend, but like give me a 15-minute version of what you're doing. And then, you know, as, as you make more progress and have more wins, they will feel more comfortable. Like I said, you're pulling them out of their comfort zone as well. So they're going into fight or flight. So their nervous system, the only way they know how to describe it is they feel like a bear is attacking them. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I had a, uh, some chronic health issues. I, the doctors weren't sure if I had chronic fatigue or what was going on. And so over the space of like 18 months, I completely and dramatically changed my health. I went to eating like totally organic everything, um, reverse osmosis water filter, removing aluminum and fluoride from my toothpaste and my deodorant and all of these things. And at the very beginning of my journey, my mom said to me, you're going to feel awfully silly one day lying in a hospital bed dying of nothing. And at the same time, I had started another business. I've always been fairly entrepreneurial. And every time I've started a business, my dad has said to me, you would make a great receptionist. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm glad that 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 you see my administrative and organizational skills. And I feel that I can better use them somewhere else. And so I could, and I used to, there was a period of time in my life where I'd get really offended by that, or I, you know, would, would get really down because, you know, my dad only thinks that this is what I'm capable of doing. 
But I just said, I, I started to see, like, this is your own fear. My family is super unhealthy, takes a lot of pills to get over a lot of conditions and whatnot. So I was like, I just see this as your fear because I'm making all of this change. And what I tell people is you have to be 10 steps ahead of where, you, of where your friends and family are for them to take the first step. They have to see that you're not going to spontaneously combust or that you're not going to lose a limb by making these changes in order for them to feel safe enough to take it. And I think it was about four or five months into the health journey where my mom called me up and she said, I called her and I said, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm making cauliflower rice. And I was like, excuse me, like, do I even have the right health? And she was like, and I started yoga class on Monday. And I was like, who are you? Like, seriously. But because she had seen all the positive changes in my life, just by making small changes to my health, she was totally on board. My dad went out and started a business for the first time. My brother invested in a business. And so we have to be willing to, like like I said before, weather that storm and get over being uncomfortable about them not having belief in us. And this is where having the other support, whether it's online through social media or through in-person masterminds and whatnot, having those people to kind of counterbalance the negativity will help you move forward a whole lot faster. Very, very true. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to go to the pile of listener questions that have built up in my inbox. Uh, If you have a question maybe about some limiting belief you know you have, some bad habit of thought or behavior that you'd like to get over, uh, or anything else, either give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Tiffany Toombs, who is uh, the creator of Blue Lotus Mind Coaching and Training and also is the opening keynote speaker at the 2022 National Real Estate Investing Summit coming up in Cincinnati on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. And uh, why is she opening? Because... What she says prepares you to actually use everything that everybody else says. <laughs> having 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 courses about how to buy your first rental property with no money down doesn't do you any good if you can't get yourself to take positive and consistent action because you have some limiting belief that, again, you might not even be conscious of. Uh, and so Tiffany's going to like try and straighten that out for everybody. And then we can go on with our conference and get much more out of it. Uh, as I've been hinting at for a number of weeks, we have a limited special offer for real life real estate listeners, uh, who want to attend the conference and also donate to public radio. What a great combination of things. And uh, so I noticed yesterday that even though that wasn't supposed to actually launch until September 7th, it is already up on WMKV's website. It's a really good deal. It's like an $87 savings over what you would get the conference for on Aria's own website. It includes an extra course. And the, the reason it's limited is Aria donated 25 of these packages. Uh, to WMKV to 
put out there for Pledge Drive. So if you were a listener and you wanted to come see Tiffany and 20 other awesome speakers here in Cincinnati on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, you might go to wmkvfm.org, scroll right down to the bottom of the page where it says 2022 National Real Estate Investing Summit and grab one of those packages before... September 7th when we might actually already be out of them because I've already been handed two forums where people people got tickets to that. So ah, there you go. Super secret, except I just told everybody about it on the radio. Um, so Tiffany, we, we do have, uh, unsurprisingly, some listeners who would like to tap your experience and expertise. Elizabeth sure. says... I struggle with the gap between understanding and executing. What are some of the practical ways to tackle that instinct that I have to avoid making a mistake? Even when I know intellectually that mistakes are how we learn and grow, I really think this is part of what keeps me from pulling the trigger sometimes. Well, it's great that she recognizes like what the, what the belief is like there's a fear of making a mistake here and so there's an exercise i'm going to give you it's one of my favorite exercises what you're going to do is you're going to write a what if i statement so what if i pulled the trigger and took action what if i put out made an offer on a property whatever it is and then you're going to write out the worst case scenarios what is the worst possible things that could happen list as many as you can possibly list. And I know this sounds counterintuitive, but stay with me. From there, you're going to say, for each of these worst-case scenarios, how would I prevent it from happening? So whether it's you get, you know, uh, the deal goes bad and you lose all your money. Well, maybe you could prevent it from happening by having a mentor or somebody else in the real estate world look at the offer before, you know, everything's finalized. So what could you do to prevent the worst-case scenario from happening? And then once you do that for all of the worst-case scenarios, you're going to write down what could I do to repair the worst-case scenario if it did happen. And so it might be something around, you know, learning a lesson or partnering with somebody next time, things like that. Then you're going to go back and rate all the worst-case scenarios out of 10. What tends to happen is we focus in on what could go wrong so strongly that we forget that there's things that we can do to prevent it, to plan for it, and to repair it if it does happen. And so once you kind of have those plans in place, all of a sudden it takes away the intensity behind the worst-case scenario, and now it doesn't look like a mountain anymore, and we realize it's a molehill. So go back out of 10, 10 being death, 1 being, oh, that wasn't so bad. Uh, how bad are the worst-case scenarios? Then the second part of the exercise is, what is the cost of inaction? Sorry, start with, what are the benefits of a partial success or an attempt? So, you know, what could you learn? What could you gain through connections? You might make a little bit of money back. You might just get your money back, but you learn a ton in the process. And then ask yourself, what's the cost of inaction? So basically, what's the cost of staying exactly where you are? And not just financially, but what is the cost mentally, emotionally, spiritually? What is the cost of staying where you are for your family? Pain is often our greatest motivator to move forward. And so if we can make the pain of where we are so intense, that'll push us forward to, to overcome the pain or the discomfort of stepping outside of our comfort zone. 
and pulling the trigger and taking action on what we already know intellectually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's a there's an actual exercise <laughs> for you to do, and uh, hope you got hope you got all that written down. If not, you can listen to the podcast of the show on Real Life Real Estate. Dot com uh, probably be up by about Friday. A uh, question from Becca. She says, I am actually being fairly successful at rehabbing and reselling properties, so much so that I believe that I could quit my job and more than replace my income. My problem is that my husband comes from a staunchly blue-collar union family, and the idea of me not having a 9-to-5 job to, quote, fall back on terrifies him. Any suggestions on how I might approach him better about this? Um, So I, I would do a similar exercise with your husband. And recognize that, you know, if you pulled the trigger, you quit your job, you went all in on rehabbing and flipping, and things didn't work out or the market went bad or whatever, you can always go back to the job. Like, you can always, especially in today's economy where there's, you know, help wanted signs everywhere, you can always go and get a job. But you don't always have the opportunity to go out and create the real freedom. Now, the other thing for people who tend to come from blue-collar families is that their predominant belief whether they're aware of it or not is that they have to make money using their bare hands like they have to do physical labor to make money so where can you involve him in the process even if you're you know for the flip hiring out contractors for a lot of it where can you get him doing some of the work or show him that you're doing some of the physical work so that he realizes that this is a job. The other thing that you could do is to show him how you would structure your days so that it looks like a nine-to-five job and that you're not just kind of out there doing whatever you want whenever you want. Like have an actual plan of what a Monday to Friday would look like in your life as a real estate investor so that he can see that you're actually, this isn't just, you know, like a side hustle or a hobby, but this is actually a job quote-unquote, that you're taking on. Wow. So I love that approach because what you just said is get out of your own head about what what would make you feel better about it and think about his perspective. And, I mean, there's, there's actually quite a bit of hands-on work in a typical rehab. <laughs> so... Um, mm-hmm. no, that, that, I, I love that. Now, I, I got uh, four questions that are basically the exact same question because when I sent out the email to listeners ahead of the show to say what we were doing today, I said, if 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 y'all want, I will reveal the biggest, ugliest mindset issue that I had that I that kept me from being as successful as I wanted to be. Uh, and apparently the, the folks do want to hear it because I'm getting these questions like, you seem so confident. What, what could you possibly have struggled with? Uh, Tiffany, I think you can probably say from experience that lots of people seem very confident and are struggling like crazy inside yeah. with, with mindset issues. So I will tell you mine. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, Grew up in a family of real estate investors, but it was a very, uh, they, they had a very, my father in particular had a very particular work ethic, which was all the time. 
every day, you know, seven days a week, mm-hmm. no vacations, the whole nine yards. And uh, he did very, very well. I mean, he, you know, all, all that work paid off for him. And when I went out on my own and discovered flipping strategies, you know, like wholesaling, uh, I -hmm. was able to pretty quickly uh, exceed his income. (laughs) And I wasn't I wasn't working nearly as hard as I perceived that he was working. And I that caused me anxiety on some level, like I'm doing something wrong. You should work 12 hours a day if you're going to have this sort of success. And as a result, I would find myself sabotaging myself when I was having too good a month or too good a year. Sabotage meaning things like I might um, forget, quote unquote, to return the call of a very motivated seller for, I don't know, like nine days in a row. I would I would get to the end of the day and say, Ah, how, how could I have forgotten that again? It was the first thing on my to-do list. Is self-sabotage one of the things that we ought to be looking for to see if we have some mindset that we need to recognize and, and work our way through? Yeah, so self-sabotage is always a sign that there's a mental block or a mindset issue. Um, and, I mean, we won't go into it fully today because this is a deep rabbit hole, but basically we have an emotional thermostat inside and that emotional thermostat gets set to a default setting. So we're used to feeling something for you. There was a belief that there had to be like a whole bunch of stress, hard work, right? Not just effort, but hard work, 12 hour days, no vacations in order to make a certain dollar amount. And so just like the thermostat in our house, if we start making more money for less effort, it's like the temperature has gone up uh, in the house, right? It's summertime. And so the air conditioning kicks on. That's the self-sabotage pulling us back to what we're used to. And so anytime we create a new paradigm where we find a way to make more money for less effort or anything like that, it causes us to challenge the belief systems that we've held for so long. And our ego basically kicks in and says, this isn't right. And we will subconsciously sabotage ourselves by forgetting to do things or by, you know, messing something up in a contract or doing something that we've done a thousand times before. And we know we should do it, but this is the one time we got it wrong. And so we lost this huge deal. Mm -hmm. And so it's absolutely, if you are sabotaging yourself in any way, there is a sign that there's a limiting belief or a mental block that we need to work through in order for you to get over that hump. And it might be time to take a deep breath, figure out what that is and deal with it. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but uh, man, you can get an hour and a half with Tiffany at the 2022 National Summit here in Cincinnati, November 3rd through 6th. Go to wmkvfm.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and there is a special offer there for a limited number of listeners. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.